Richard Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to Virtual Reality Church. Welcome to our virtual church. Is there some type of way for a virtual congregation? You're not a congregation if you don't congregate. When you combine this access with the loss of the local, I become my own confession and I go around the World Wide Web listening for echoes that say back to me what I've already decided to believe. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. If you're happy and you know it, Do you know why? This is Wretched Radio. A survey says this won't knock you over with a feather. Liberals are less happy than conservatives. How could that possibly be? Well, traditionally, conservative values, conservative morals, conservative politics, conservative Christianity brings your thinking more in alignment with reality. The way that God runs the place, you abandon those precepts, whether you believe in him or not, and it is kicking against the goads time and it hurts. And that's what we're seeing poll after poll, survey after survey. Data shows conservatives are happier than leftists. Liberals, 15 percentage points less likely to be satisfied with their lives. They, they've got Mick Jaggeritis. They can't be happy. They're pursuing things that don't deliver. They're living in ways that do not fulfill the way that we're made to be fulfilled. Liberals are about 18 percentage points less likely to be completely satisfied with their mental health than conservatives. Hmm. Specifically, by the way, that sadness, dissatisfaction, especially acute for liberal women. Hmm. Only 15% of liberals are completely satisfied with their lives and mental health. On the other hand, 31% of conservative women are completely satisfied with their lives and 36% with their mental health. Now, those numbers are too low, but the moral to the story is when our thinking is conformed to the thinking of God, how can things not go better? And how can we not find satisfaction? You know, when you think about it, you have a tendency, like I do, because we've been trained this way, to think about what is the what's the gig that's like, oh yeah, that's that's cool. Hey, celebrity, maybe running a, a Fortune 500 company. That ooh, that in the in the eternal scheme of things, insignificant to the point of being almost entirely insignificant. In in that. What happened inside of those walls will have eternal consequences because of the individual's heart and attitude toward God. But whatever the industry is, if you're the captain of it, uh, that it's going to be gone. It, it'll be Sears is just about out of business. That was unthinkable in the old days. This could be their last Christmas, but now they're going under. There's so many things that used to be but aren't. Why? Because in the grand scheme of things, in God's economy, Really? I know it's real and we're living it, but it is just nothing. It's vanity, vanity. Hey, that's a Bible verse. It it's just flies away. And when we are trying to find our satisfaction in those very temporal idols, there's just going to be heartache and disappointment. Two family-related factors help explain the ideological gap. Marital status and family satisfaction. In other words, conservatives 
are about 20 percentage points more likely to be married than liberal peers. Oh, you mean marriage actually makes you happy? Yes. Why? Because that's the way God made us. And when we get married and when we stay married and when we commit to our covenant vows to be faithful till death do us part, you're just going to be happier. This this does nothing to me except support what the Bible says about itself. This is from American Family Survey. 33% of married women between the ages of 18 and 55 reported they were completely satisfied with their lives. There's a connection to marriage. And I got to tell you, um, I wonder if this isn't also a reason why so many young people in particular are feeling so bummed out these days. It's because stalling a marriage, it's people are getting into their 30s these days, and it's eventually going to make you sad. Why? It's not the way we were made. It's not good for women to be alone. It's not good for men to be alone. So when we do our own thing, it's not good. And we're going to be unhappy. And these days, I hear somebody help me figure if, if you can sort this out, would you send me an email idea at wretched.org? Because I, I, I it, it is so constant, it demands some sort of consideration. I will receive emails or talk to young single men. And do you know what their lament is? I, I just can't find a woman. I'm looking, I'm trying, but I just can't find a woman. And then I'll talk to a young lady or receive an email from a young lady. And do you know what they say? Exact same thing. So why? Why are they having that feeling? I, to me, that my sense of it is, all right, I'll, I'll send this email to myself when we're done here. But I think it's because of our societal structures. I think the way that we used to be knit together in closer communities allowed for younger people to find other young people because it came through family, it came through church, it came through the VFW club, whatever it was, there was some sort of societal glue. Now, that glue, now maybe it exists in some places, but I'm telling you, in Atlanta, this is the most transient place I've ever experienced in my life. Everybody's coming and going. Go ahead. Find the needle in the haystack. Were you born here? No. Move from Pennsylvania. Everybody's coming and they're going. And how does that lend itself to young men and young women being able to find a young man or a young woman? Or church shopping, hopping and bopping. Never settling in for a longer period of time to be able to observe one another, bump up against one another, do a Bible story, a Bible study with one another. It seems to me that it's because our societal structures are so non-existent these days. It's fascinating to me that yentas, matchmakers, are on the rise. They're, they're, I saw an ad for them. I think I was at the airport. There was, there was some woman, she was calling herself a matchmaker. And that's what she puts people together. Why are people actually going to that? There was, I think there was a pretty big story, if I, if I recall, in the New York Times that talked about the ascendancy of matchmakers. Why? Because people aren't able to find anybody in this culture. And that's a bummer. And it might be contributing to the depression rate of young people. Back to the American Family Survey. Because conservative women are statistically more likely to be married, the satisfaction stats seem to fall somewhat neatly along political lines as well. 
conservative women being satisfied at double the rate of progressive women because conservatives believe in marriage more. And we should. And I think this is another one of those things, pastors, you should be considering putting onto your list of subjects that should be discussed. Marriage. It's good. It's hard, but it is amazing. It is this institution designed by God that will make you happy. Find a spouse. Don't don't compromise. Make sure the individual is a believer. None of this missional dating business. Well, he's dreamy, and he said he'd come to church with me, so I, I think he's a Christian, too. If not, he'll become one. <clears throat> don't do missional dating. Find somebody godly. And by the way, I think, I think something else that would help why young people aren't getting married. And I take this wisdom. I did a lot of research on this and watching an Indian dating show. This woman who's a matchmaker from India comes to America to help match Indian singles. It's fascinating. The world doesn't bellyache. Well, they must be Hindu. Oh, what do you mean they must be Christian? It must be somebody of the opposite gender. That's that's cool when the Hindus do it. When the Christians do it, apparently it's somehow different. And she always says the same thing to the couples when she, or to the individuals when she's meeting them. Tell me what you would like in a spouse. And they will list good looking. They need to be a fit. They've got to, they've got to love rock climbing and they've got to love a pickleball. And make a lot of money. Did I mention they should have a great job and be good looking and like pickleball? And and they list about 10 things. And she immediately says, that's too many things. It's too many. You're not going to find that. Too many things. All right. So we're not going to get the total package. I have a feeling that that's the expectation of a lot of young people, that everything about this person has to be like check, 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 check. Well, it doesn't. There are some boxes that must be checked. They must be checked. But if that the big boxes are checked, well, that's somebody that could be your marriage partner. The idea that conservative women are happy debunks the prescription offered by the sexual revolution and second wave feminism for female happiness, which has now become an accepted cultural myth. The best life for women, goes the myth, is a life without marriage or children. If you're delaying and having children because there can be some times to wait. I grant you that. But don't do it if you don't esteem highly the blessing of children. They're not going to ruin your life. They're going to enhance it. They will make it rich. You will really live you will be so different than foreigner. You, you're going to know what love is. Rush to marriage. Make sure you check the biblical boxes. Rush to marriage. Stay faithful. Have children. Teach them to love Jesus. Bonus! You're going to be happier. This is Wretched Radio. How's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home? Would you please visit MediShare.com slash wretched. Affordable, biblical health 
sharing, Christians paying for other Christians' medical bills, which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for mm, bad stuff. Second of all, you can save on average $500 per month. And finally, MediShare, it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years. It works, and the members, including myself and Mrs. Friel, love it, which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance. If inflation has got you down, call up the people at MediShare, 844-34-BIBLE or MediShare.com slash wretched. Hey, thank you so much for joining us here on Wretched Radio today. And boy, do I have some good news for you. You did it. You solved the God Puzzle. Our goal was to print one million copies of Solving the God Puzzle and send them to wretched people who were willing to distribute them to the lost. And thanks to you, that goal has been met. Please join us in praising God for His goodness and pray that He will use our joint efforts to save many. And this obviously could not be done without you and without our gospel partners. Of course, if you're also a gospel partner, we want to thank you humbly from the bottom of our hearts. If you're not a gospel partner yet, would you please begin praying about it? You can also visit wretched.org donate to get answers to all of the questions you could possibly ever have on becoming a wretched gospel partner. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. 200, that's right, 200 Tomorrow Clubs are now up and running again in Ukraine. That means kids are hearing the gospel, they're getting saved, their parents are getting saved, the church is getting strengthened. Not only are the Tomorrow Clubs busy preaching the gospel, they're also very busy helping people. This is our buddy Max in Ukraine. We have created the Ukraine Support Fund. Thanks to our partners, Tomorrow Clubs began immediate assistance to the network of the local church it became a safe place for thousands of refugees fleeing their devastated homes. Providing food, providing clothing, potable water, a safe place, communication. Would you please consider becoming a ministry partner of the amazing ministry called Tomorrow Clubs? You can learn how you could participate in the spreading of the gospel in Eastern Europe at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Know your church fathers. Gregory of Nyssa was an opponent of Arianism at the Council of Constantinople in 381. He wrote a book called Not Three Gods, explaining that there is one God in three persons. Each member of the Trinity is fully God with all the divine attributes, yet each member of the Trinity is a distinct person. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. The thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Spanning the globe. Scouring the internet, really. Finding all kinds of stories and articles that have nothing to do with one another. So what are you to do with that material? You spend hours reading it? Well, you put it in a big pile play a really old sports show opening, and you call it Wide World of Christian News. 
Did I just kind of hit a post right there? You did. (laughs) This is Wretched Radio. (laughs) Let's travel around the globe. Jimmy, we're number one, baby. We are. I'm talking about Christianity here. We're the most persecuted religion. Oh, that's not good at all. Open Doors USA. Guess what? Christianity is the world's most persecuted religion. Your brothers and sisters, as we speak, are taking a beating. Literally. They're being displaced. They're being kicked out. Regions that used to have a high rate of believers because of persecution, and as you'll hear from the list, it won't shock you, the religion of peace ain't, and they cause a lot of believers to skedaddle. Same thing is true in India. There are a lot of believers in India, but the new regime would prefer they don't exist at all. They're not big fans of separation of temple and state. They want everybody to be a Hindu, and your brothers and sisters are feeling that heat. By the way, as long as we're spanning the globe and in India, I have to tell you again, I just am amazed daily here at Wretched Radio. We hear from people from India, from India, and in in nations, high persecution rates. Turkey? What? And we're South Africa. Uh, Here's the nation that we don't hear from as much. This will surprise you. If you, okay, so we're, we're a Christian organization. We speak English. There was a hint for you. Which country that happens to be an island might be more inclined to listen to Christian talk radio? You'd say England. Wrong. You'd say Australia. Wrong. We do hear from people from Australia. We do hear from some lovely people in England. But we're hearing more from these far-flung places. And that should encourage us because we tend to think, All is lost in America. We're going down the tubes. And then we read all of the end time verses and say, well, this is that. Well, this has been going on for a long time. And Jesus continues to build his church. We should be encouraged by that. Afghanistan, they took the top spot from North Korea. So here's the usual suspects. Somalia, Libya, Saudi Arabia, Eritrea, Nigeria, Pakistan which is fascinating because I was out at Kennesaw State University. (laughs) Very friendly fellow. Hey, will you talk to me on the radio or whatever I said to him? Oh, I'd be happy to. And he was like kind of bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And while we're waiting for the cameras to get set up, I said, so tell me about where where are you from? And he said, he's from Pakistan. I'm an ambassador. Well, shouldn't you be like at the embassy or something? Well, they've got some program there where they send people out to tell people how wonderful Pakistan is. And I hear the people are lovely there, but it's a nation that is predominantly Islamic and they persecute believers. Kind of fascinating. They're sending ambassadors to herald how wonderful it is to move to Pakistan when they don't allow freedom of religion. Let's go to Europe, shall we? How many hate crimes against Christians were there in 2021? Well, every crime is a hate crime. But that aside, 500 anti-Christian hate crimes in Europe. Europe. Did I mention Europe? (laughs) You can still see some cathedrals there. It used to be like really Christian, but it's not. The Observatory on Intolerance and Discrimination Against Christians in Europe 
a non-governmental organization based in Austria, 2021 report, that intolerance and discrimination against Christians in Europe on the rise, 519 incidents. France, mm, highest number of anti-Christian hate crimes last year. Mm, I don't know the, the deep dive on those numbers, but I do know it's a secular nation and it's increasingly an Islamic nation. Germany had the second highest number of such incidents, 112 hate crimes against Christians. Listen, listen, that would be every single Lutheran spinning in their grave like a lathe. What's going on in Germany? I read some, no, Mrs. Friel told me a statistic. Jimmy, I don't know if you stumbled across this, but in in Germany, the number of brothels and that, that there's like a million, um, I, I don't know what you call that transaction. There's a mil, over a million tra- transactions a day. Wow. It's like a multi-billion dollar organization. Germany. What? The land of Luther. What happened there? Oh, yeah. Liberalism. That's what happened there. So some of the other countries where it's going on, where Christians are taking a beating, Italy, Poland. Poland surprises me. That seems very odd to me because Poland, wow, are they not politically correct there? They're very Roman Catholic. Poland, 60 accounts, United Kingdom, 40, Spain, Austria, Belgium, Ireland, and Switzerland. Please be praying for your Christian brothers and sisters. Statistically, they do need it. Let's go to Israel, shall we? Oh, Jimmy. We missed the boat on this one. We could have joined an interfaith conference for climate repentance. Oh. Yeah, that's right. Climate repentance. We have to repent. Driving a car, apparently. Eating food. Breathing. Malthusian? Anyone? Jewish people, Muslims, Christians, Hindus, and Buddhists from Israel, Egypt, the U.S., India, and Spain, and the U.K. plan to gather. I think this just took place the other day to call on global leaders to act for climate repentance and to implement 10 climate principles. One wonders if we could find the Christians who went to that clam bake and say, tell me, what else do you tell people to repent of? Go. I'm waiting. No, please, just one. Just one thing. It's fascinating that so many liberal Christians, they are willing to speak out on their current politically correct positions. But as far as anything moral... Not a chance. So they're going to be getting together to repent, studying the 10 principles for climate repentance. So here's these are the 10 commandments of climate repentance or something like that. We are stewards of this world. You're correct. I don't know how they support their worldview because some people would argue, no, we're intruders, animals. They run the place. This is their planet. But they say we are stewards of this world. That's biblical. That's why we don't unnecessarily abuse the planet. We're to steward the planet, but we're also to take dominion. That isn't in their list of commandments. We're supposed to subdue the place, and we're supposed to use the place so that we can enjoy the fruits of the bounty that God provides. Not on this list. Number two, creation Manifest divinity. Jimmy, would you like to uh, explain that one? I just want to take a little break over here. Yeah, Creation no. manifests divinity. Go. No, I can't. I can't. 
I can't explain just that. Just make something up. No. no. Just do a word salad. Wouldn't it be the other way around? You know, these days, as we take a look at the divine presence of the divine nature that is in the essence of things that are, <laughs> we take care of the planet and we manifest that divinity. Huh? That was pretty good. That wasn't bad, was it? No, no. Word salad for 500, Alex. Number three, everything in life is interconnected. No. No, it's not. It's not synchronicity with all due respect to Jeff Goldblum. Does one thing, is there a a cause and effect? Yes. But if I blow on this microphone right now, it doesn't make a butterfly in Tokyo change its course. Number four, do no harm. Isn't that like the number one commandment of Satanists? <laughs> Anton LaVey. Look after tomorrow. Huh? Got enough problems of its own. Number six, rise above ego for our world. Seven, change our inner climate. Oh, yeah. You want to take that one, Jimmy? Because no, no, no. Don't, don't, don't involve me in this foolishness. There's a reason we take temperatures. We run hot, we run cold. And on this issue, we need to be running hotter. We need more fervency on climate change. There, something like that, Jimmy. When are you going to catch on to this (laughs) gobbledygook? Number nine, every action matters. Okay. Use mind, open heart. Use mind. Open heart. And what the, I, I see now, I can do that one. They're basically saying, do what we tell you to do. <laughs> That's what they're like. And you wondered that Romans 1 would say, and they worshiped the creation and not the creator. Did you ever think you would see such a thing manifest itself in your lifetime? It is. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. An after-school Satan club has been given permission to hold monthly meetings inside of a California elementary school cafeteria. And that's not so much of a stretch these days. It is California, after all. Paul Hicks, no relation, the leader of the after-school Satan club, said, quote, There's currently a good news club, which is teaching kids to go save souls for Jesus at the school. And we want to give an alternative point of view. Which would be what? As one grandparent of a student at this school put it, I think it's disgusting. Some new data that shows the world's population past 8 billion people in November should be celebrated by the Christian community as a fulfillment of a biblical mandate, according to Ken Ham. The data also challenges the evolutionary worldview, according to Ham. Ken Ham says the figure represents mankind's fulfillment of God's commandment to be fruitful and multiply. He said, quote, Earth didn't give a rise to life. God created life, and he formed the earth to be inhabited by that life. And the crowning jewel of his creation is mankind. Remember that. But the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that's the Mormon Church, as well as political members of the denomination are supporting the same-sex marriage bill. According to a New York Times report, Senator Mitt Romney expressed his support to a federal bill that would provide protection for married same-sex couples. The Mormon denomination released a statement saying that the definition of marriage through its doctrines remains the same and will not be changed. However, the church advocated for the Respect for Marriage Act 
as necessary for preserving the rights of our LGBTQ brothers and sisters. Yeah, I'm not quite sure they understand the definition of brothers and sisters. Well, nearly one third of congregations are not going to be waiting for the 2024 National United Methodist Church Conference to discuss homosexual pastors in the clergy at a special called session of the United Methodist Church North Carolina Conference this past weekend. Delegates voted to approve the disaffiliation of 249 congregations seeking to leave the UMC. The number of departing congregations represented 32% of the North Carolina Conference and about 22% of its membership. United Methodist congregations have been leaving in droves over the last year or so, and the National Conference announced that they would be holding their next conference to discuss all of these issues in 2024, as I said. I just wonder how many congregations will be left in the UMC by that point. More Ratchet Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible The book of Joel describes a series of disasters that serve as God's judgment and a warning that an even more severe day of judgment is coming. When you see the power and fury of creation, do not fear nature, but fear Him who controls nature. But if God's people will turn to Him in repentance, He will be compassionate and rescue them. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And the off chance you happen to be an ambulance chaser, whoa, have we got some profitable advice for you. This is Wretched Radio. There's a few of those firms out there that apparently love to buy billboards. Advertising. If you've been hurt, contact us and we will sue the pants off of the person that is (laughs) responsible for whatever has befallen you. If you're trying to grow your client list, if if you don't have enough work for your army of lawyers that usually tackle car accidents, work-related injuries, I got something for you. This is going to blow the roof off of your legal business. This is going to start suing hospitals that are willing to mutilate children. There you go. The detransitioners are coming out of the woodwork these days, and I'm grateful for it that they are willing to share their stories and say, I was abused. I should not have gone through that. And they are now starting to sue. So if you happen to be somebody who loves suing people for harm that is done to another person, this one is actually real. These people are actually hurting. These people are I did not realize the puberty blockers alone, what they do to the body is stagger. Let's see if I can find that here. Uh, The transitioner. They were talking specific. Oh, here it is. Side effects of puberty blockers include permanent fertility loss. They can't have babies now. Uh, Painful. Um. You know, I can't say that one. Reduced bone development. Inability to obtain peak or maximum bone density. Stopped or stunted widening and growth of the pelvic bones for reproductive purposes. Increased risk of osteoporosis and debilitating spine and hip fractures as an adult. Increased morbidity and death in older age due to increased risk of hip fracture. 
negative and unknown effects on brain development. Emotional liability, such as crying, irritability, impatience, anger, aggression, suicidal ideation, and attempts. Side effects of medicine. We are as adults with a degree on the wall prescribing children. I had no idea. So this particular person, this is a de- the detransitioner suing the what she calls mutilators who butchered her body. In a statement, she described her teenage years as a culmination of excruciating pain, regret, and most importantly, injustice. That's something you could sue over. That's, in fact, I read another article that said, as soon as I find it, that this this mutilating, here it is, it's called slow motion transrec. This is from the American mind. The ghastly fad of genital mutilation will end when the lawsuits begin. Amen to that. Get on it if you're a young lawyer looking to grow your business. The adverse effects of puberty blockers on transgender identified kids can include, and it lists again, low bone density, psychological problems, a warning about pseudotumor cerebri, a condition that can cause brain swelling, headaches, nausea, double vision, and permanent loss of vision. Here, kids, confused, unhappy with your body? I've got a script for you. Somebody sue them. Somebody sue them. There is a legal route to dealing with justice issues. Everybody wants justice these days. How's about justice for these people? Vulnerable, hurting, confused. And we're doing this to them? As of August 2022, the UK's Tavistock Center, it's a gender transition clinic, is expecting a class action lawsuit from at least a thousand families outstanding of children who are prescribed puberty blockers. You go, folks. And I hope that these people get sued right out of business because what they are doing to kids is absolutely criminal. They should be in prison for what they are doing. They know this. They, 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 they read the fine print. That's their job. In 2019, there were over 5,000 members of the subreddit DTrans group. Today in 2022, there are over 37,000. Those are people who are saying, this was bad. It was bad for me. And I'm miserable because of it. So if you're looking... Don't you don't need to go to Morgan and Morgan. I'm just saying you could start up your put out your shingle and start suing these people back to the woman who is suing mutilators who butchered her body. This is from the Christian Post. She wrote a statement. Her teenage years were a culmination of excruciating pain, regret, and most importantly, injustice. This person recalled that I don't know what the pronoun is, was emotionally and physically damaged and stunted by so-called medical professionals in my most important developmental period. That's what they're experiencing. They're hurting. Quote, I was butchered by an institution that we trust more than anything else in our lives. That's true, isn't it? (laughs) Ah, It hurts. What pill can I take? And we just pop it. 
What is worse is that I'm not alone in my pain. I will ensure that the blood and tears of detransitioners like me will not be in vain. It is impossible for me to recoup what I have lost, but I will fight to ensure that no other children will be harmed at the hands of these liars and mutilators and anybody who participates with them, including handing a scalpel to the doctor who does the mutilating. Between 13 and 17 years old, this person underwent harmful transgender treatment, specifically puberty blockers, and off-label cross-sex hormone treatment. Oh, yeah. And a double mastectomy. (sighs) Claiming defendants coerced this person and her parents to undergo what amounted to a medical experiment by propagating two lies. One, defendants falsely informed this girl and her parents that the gender dysphoria would not resolve unless socially and medically transitioned to appear more like a male. That's a lie. And everybody knows it. The number is well over 90% of the kids that are confused about their gender. They grow through it. And that's that's just, that's like common language if you spend two minutes studying this subject. And yet, what do they do? They tell them, nope, you got to do it. Chloe, oops, I just used her name, was informed by her parents that defendants even gave them the ultimatum. Would you rather have a dead daughter or a live son? Oh, okay. And the survey that supports that scientific statement isn't in existence because the argument could be made that when we do this to kids, it makes them more suicidal because it doesn't work. It can't work. And this brave soul is saying, enough. I'm going to, we're, we're going to go after this. And I say, good on them. The American Academy of Pediatrics accused of silencing doctors' criticism of puberty blockers, stonewalling debate on hormone drugs. And some doctors have pushed back against a drug-first approach for children with gender dysphoria. Five AAP members voice concerns about using hormones and surgeries for the first line of treatment for gender dysphoria instead of counseling or therapy. Wow, is that evil. Great Britain, if I'm not mistaken. In Great Britain, they've actually said, no, 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 no. We, we got to do a lot of work with these people long before we go about the business of putting them under the knife. Because they realize so many of these kids, they're just, they're just growing through it. Have you read, by the way, what it takes to qualify for gender dysphoria? Well, I happen to have it for you. Distress, anxiety, depression, negative self-image. Strong dislike of your anatomy. Strong preference for toys and activities associated with the other gender and children. That's it. Congratulations. You just admitted to your doctor, I'm kind of distressed. I've got some depression. Yeah, I don't like the way that I look. Well, let us set up some surgery for you on Tuesday. We'll fix that for you immediately. It's amazing that these criteria are so ridiculous. To be diagnosed with gender dysphoria as a teenager or an adult, you must have experienced significant distress for at least six months due to two of the following. 
incongruence between your experienced and expressed gender, strong desire to be rid of your sex characteristics, strong desire for the primary or secondary characteristics of the other gender, strong desire to be of the other gender, strong desire, feelings, nothing more than feelings. And what do we do with them? We use a scalpel and puberty blockers. This is criminal what is going on. Children are typically diagnosed with gender dysphoria if they've experienced significant distress for at least six months. Hey, kid, how do you feel? Hmm. Distressed significantly? Yeah, I'd say so. All righty. You can just head on down to Walgreens. We'll get you all hooked up. Are you an attorney looking to make a name? Here's a field of interest. This is Wretched Radio. Like the Pointer Sisters, I am so excited and I just can't hide it. The Masters Academy International is embarking on a bold new program to distribute Bibles internationally. There are oh so many wretched people who love to give to ministries who are giving out Bibles. And the Masters Academy International is going to start doing just that in the Philippines. But they don't want to give out just any Bible to just anybody. They're going to give away John MacArthur Study Bibles to Christians who cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math. It's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible to join the Master's Academy International. Americans saved an average of 24% during Black Friday 2021, except those who shopped at Wretched.org because they saved 50%. And this year, we're going to be better than average again. During the 2022 Wretched Black Friday sale, you're going to save 50% again on Wretched products. Plus, yep, there's a plus. If you spend $50 or more, you'll get free shipping and a copy of Transformed Season 1. While supplies last, of course. Oh, and this sale isn't just for Black Friday. It just kicks off on Black Friday and will last through year's end. So I probably should not call it a Black Friday sale. What about the wretched better than average sale or the wretched 50-50 sale? However you want to label it, just know you're going to save more money than the average American and get some free stuff too. Don't miss out. It's kicking off on Black Friday in the Wretched store at wretched.org. That's wretched.org. The war for life is not over. The war for life has just begun. Dan Steiner from preborn.org slash wretched. Our partner clinic in um, Buffalo, New York, is firebombed. A clinic in Longmont, Colorado also was burned. And so this is the essence of who we are as Christians. We war not against flesh and blood. The implication is that we are, in fact, at war, and we are. The war for life rages on state by state, city by city, block by block, woman by woman. Would you please consider supporting preborn.org slash wretched, providing free ultrasounds, providing counseling, providing parental training, providing Similac, providing clothes, providing diapers, and offering them the good news of the gospel. We are at war for life. Please consider supporting preborn.org slash wretched. 
Hermeneutics a vital part of biblical hermeneutics is an understanding of genre. One genre we find in scripture is poetry. Poetry relies on imaginative and figurative language to expand on a theme, examine emotions, and reflect on who God is and what He has done. God's timeless truth is written down by biographers and artists alike. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Oh, no, you didn't. This is Wretched Radio. Have you perhaps ever thought, maybe even articulated the following sentiment? And it comes with a sigh. I'm just not needed at my church. There could be a number of reasons why you have uttered a statement that is flat out wrong. I know that isn't very postmodern, but I'm just telling you you're wrong. And you say, no, I'm not needed there because all of the programs are filled up. Hold the phone, Henrietta. When you study the one another commandments in the New Testament, you'll discover you're needed. There are so many ways that you can help other people. Now, maybe you think, now that's really not what church is for. Church is there to serve me. And that is true, but it's only half true because the other half of the truth is you're supposed to be serving others even while you're being served. Can you go through a season when perhaps you don't serve? Sure, but it should be a relatively short season. It's okay to be loved on, served by from other believers in the congregation because of a difficult life event. That's fine, but eventually you're going to be serving others too, that you might be offering the comfort with which you have been comforted. And the Bible gives us so many ways that we can do that. The one another statements. How many are there? Dozens of them. Here are just a few. Love one another. Is there anybody in your church you could love? You say, I don't think they need love. <laughs> I think they do. Because that commandment is reiterated 16 times in the New Testament. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. You can do that. You can honor people. There, there's probably not a class on this. Uh, if you're needing to be honored, come and we'll honor you. No, but it's just stuff that we can do. Live in harmony. Build up. Are there any people downtrodden in your church? Could you build them up? How could you do that? Be like-minded. Accept one another. Admonish one another care for one another. Do you think anybody has any needs in your congregation? They do. You could do that. Serve one another. Bear one another's burdens. Forgive one another. Be patient with one another. Speak the truth in love to one another. Be kind and compassionate. Submit. Consider others better than yourselves. Look to the interests of one another. Bear with one another. Teach one another. Comfort, encourage, exhort, stir up, provoke, stimulate one another to love and good deeds. You could show hospitality. Maybe a family is moving and they need a place to stay for a bit. Could you put them up? These are just some of the one another's. But I have a particular instance for you to perhaps one another to a group of people who in virtually every church are definitely hurting. About whom do I speak? Couple, couples that want kids but can't because of infertility, because of miscarriage. This is a letter I received. Leave the name out. I just wanted to say thank you 
for talking so much about biblical counseling. I had gone through Christian counseling, and at the time, I thought it was just what I needed. It did point me to Scripture, but it only pointed me to the verses that affirmed God's love for me without ever addressing sin. This past fall, still feeling the real grief of miscarriage and anger over what turned out to be infertility, I started to exhibit signs of my same struggles that I had. I told my husband I needed to see a counselor again, and he said that was fine, whatever the cost. That's a good man right there. Well done, sir. It was at this time that I began to hear about transformed and biblical counseling on Wretched. So I looked up the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors and found there were actually trained counselors somewhat nearby. There are, there's 2,500 of them scattered around the globe, mostly in the U.S., but you can do things via Zoom these days. I wasn't hopeful that I'd find something where we live, but I did. I've been meeting with my counselor for about six months, and it has been one of the best decisions I have ever made. You've got somebody in your church who's, who's blue because of infertility or miscarriage. How could you help them? How could you serve them? Back to the letter. Though the, through the intense, sometimes, homework, I've been in the Word, and God has been revealing to me the sin that lurks behind my desires that has been coming out predominantly in my feelings. Some of the topics addressed have been pride, anger, depression, anxiety, and fear of man. The Word has been a mirror into my heart and has caused me to be brought low in repentance, but God has lifted me up in the joy of the gospel and given me the assurance that he has saved me. Now, as I walk through infertility, I do not feel anger or depression. I feel a sense of joy because without the struggle, I would not have gone through biblical counseling. God has shown me his word is sufficient. I'm learning that God is sovereign and God is good. I know that God is working in this situation to bring about his plan. He is conforming me to the image of his son, and that is good. That is something that is needed in your church. You could become a biblical counselor. You could get certified through ACBC, biblicalcounseling.com. Just met a couple. She's getting her master's degree in biblical counseling at Master's University, masters.edu. But you don't even have to be a biblical counselor. You can still help somebody who is struggling with this particular issue. Paul Todges, an article in Fertility and Miscarriage, Helping Others Trust God in Every Season. Start by considering, here's how you can, if you meet somebody and they are hurting, especially on Mother's Day, start by considering the various ways in which they might be suffering, hmm. which can be done even prior to speaking with them. This is an important step, even if you have experienced these trials yourself, because no two trials are the same and no two responses to the trials are the same. So imagine if you had your heart set on kids and couldn't. Consider, too, how their walk with the Lord might be struggling. Put yourself in their shoes and ask, if I couldn't have children, where would I be most vulnerable? Would I be prone to worry? Would I be jealous of other couples? Would I be consumed by what others think of me instead of what God thinks of me? Would I question God and his goodness? You might. And you could walk alongside of this person and point them in a better direct direction. Start by asking good questions. Don't interrogate, but ask questions. 
and don't think of them as a problem to be solved. You, you want to love them, otherwise they're going to shut down. Especially with these types of trials, give them plenty of time to respond and elaborate. Not every silent moment needs to be filled with words. Oh, wow, do some of us need that? I'm not suggesting me. But I'm just, they will be much more likely to be honest about their struggle if they know, if they know you seek to understand, not be understood. Also got to watch out for it. Yeah, I remember I wanted something once and I couldn't get it. I didn't get the promotion, so I know what you're going through. Careful. Just listening and asking a lot of questions. Resist the temptation to tell your story. Don't do it. Or the story of somebody else who walked through it. You know, Gail went through that, and she's fine now. Don't do it. This is like Beretta. Second, help them lament. Help them bring their honest cries to God before they've pulled themselves together. Third, fix their hope on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of their faith. And they maybe don't feel like doing that, but that is the challenge to encourage them because that's the key, that's the cure for heartbreak. It's in God's Word. It's it's good medicine for us. What else could you do with somebody who's struggling with infertility? Remind them of John 10 where Jesus talks about how he cares for his sheep, how God is at work even if he seems idle. Ephesians 1, 2 Corinthians 4, remind them God will never leave them nor forsake them, that God promises to work everything good in the lives of believers, to make them more like Christ. Have, In other words, share Bible verses with Now, do it thoughtfully. Be wise with your timing. But when we know that the cure is found in the Word, we do need to persist and get them in there. Do it sensitively. Strongly resist the temptation to blurt out false hope. Regardless of the stats, we can never promise that they will have a child someday. So don't say that. Well, you can't have one now, but God is waiting. Don't do that. You don't know. Don't promise them that their trial is almost over or that their pain will soon be gone. Placing one's hope in anything but Jesus Christ will only lead to disappointment because none of those things can deliver and make you feel better, even if you feel like that would make you feel better. We must help them to find their satisfaction, fulfillment, and contentment fully in Christ. If God blesses with a child, then it's a blessing. But we need to be helping these people. You're needed. Do you know somebody who is recently widowed, somebody whose kid has turned into a terrorist? Do you know somebody who has lost their job? Do you know somebody who is not hitting their sales quotas? Just find a one another and practice the one another's because we need it. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.